0: Whatever that means. Whatever
1: that means. Whatever that means. Ha! Whatever that means.
2: All right. Welcome to another episode of Whatever That Means. Uh, this is Deidra. I'm joined by my co-host Sandra Kier and Jessica. And hey. yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and give the floor to Sandra. She has our topic for today, so let's get started.
0: righty So the topic that we're gonna talk about today is how to navigate in unsafe spaces. <laughs> you can define what an unsafe space is to you. But question one is: when did you realize that any space that doesn't state its position is unsafe? So what I mean is like a company that doesn't state its position or their beliefs in you know racism white supremacy
3: (laughs) blah blah
2: I'm gonna um this is Deidre so uh I work in the healthcare field um and I want to answer the question another question first of when I first even heard this term um, cause I was thinking about just what unsafe actually, or unsafe space means. I think I first heard mm-hmm. this term back in college, uh, when I was in, wow, it was a women's ministry. And, uh, we were like at a Bible study and the leaders were saying that this is a safe space because they wanted the girls to feel open about. Sharing their testimony or or sharing a personal experience uh, regarding the the topic we were talking about, um, and so they were trying to make this inviting environment of you know confidentiality and no judgment, et cetera. Um, so, in regards to the question that you asked, Sandra, uh, I guess in the when I think about like career wise. I don't know, I guess in the in the beginning, like my my first real job a few years ago at Kelsey Siebold, uh, it like in the orientation, they say all these things about how they want this to be an environment that you feel comfortable in. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I realized until after I was working and I saw what unsafe could look like that I realized it was so necessary to have those boundaries set in the beginning. I don't think I really answered the question, but <laughs>
3: that's all I got. That's
1: oh, good. Like, um, this Kira, obviously. Um, for me, like, it's it's weird because now that you brought that up, D, like, because we were part of the same ministry, and I remember I didn't remember them saying like this is a safe space, but I remember that same sentiment. Uh, like that sentiment of like, this is a safe space, like we're here for you type situation um, being present there. So it made me like really reflect, to be honest, like I feel like a safe space is a word that came into vocabulary for me, like in adulthood Um, and realizing, and it's only been like this year that I've been able to confess like out loud, like no place is safe. (laughs) <laughs> um like all places are unsafe until further notice uh which is weird because like i guess i'll explain it later when we get further down into the questions that that you sent but um that's weird for me uh to realize because i've been in a lot of unsafe spaces for a lot of my like majority of my life um just being the only black person in spaces um, has been really unsafe in a lot of ways um, even amongst like quote-unquote friends and so like um, to answer your question um, I think this year has been when did I realize like when I realized that any space that doesn't state its position is unsafe. I think like this year I've been able to confess it, although like I think most black people have in the back of their minds some sense of it, even if they don't say it, like some sense of like, is this okay for me to go to? Because we do that all the time anyway, like, oh, um, don't go to this town like after dark or like don't get caught here like after dark, like oh, are there black people there? If I go to this event, XYZ, you're like, man, am I going to be the only person in this class if I sign up for it? Um, Thinking about college, whenever you were able to sign up. Even if when you decided to do like AP or um, what are those dual credit classes, am I going to be the only black person in these classes? Um, If I go to this school in this district, will I be the only black person? And then what does that mean for me? Can they take care of me? Um, as a black person or as a minority, um, so I think like, I think black people usually have the sense of that, or I did. I don't know, maybe that's just how my my family is, but we had a sense of like there are certain places and certain groups that you do things with, and then certain spaces that you just don't, or you just behave differently or show up differently, not not behave differently, just show up differently. Um, And then, but I think as an adult, it's only been this past year where the phrase unsafe, like I can confess, like I feel unsafe, but I only say that because now I feel empowered to remove myself from unsafe spaces. Whereas before I'm like, well, just, this is the world.
0: Yeah, Um. I wanna share, hi, this is Sandra. So I realized it when I was a kid but I didn't have like the language to explain what I was feeling. I just knew like in certain spaces I felt weird. And mm-hmm. like I'm talking about like like kid kid. Yeah. Like I would tell my mom why are they reacting that way towards us? Or why are you holding my hand really hard? You know what I mean? Like, why are we walking so fast? Mm -hmm. Why are you telling me not to hang out with them? Why are you telling me to be careful? Uh, Why are you telling me to watch what I say? Um, Just different things that I didn't realize. Yeah. And so, I would say like high school or slash college, later in high school slash college. Um yeah. But I think now I think it's pretty neat to see how everything has a definition.
1: Yeah. Now
0: to what yeah. the things that
3: I've been that I felt ever since I was a kid.
1: Yeah, that's so comforting. Ain't it?
3: <laughs> um, there are lots of things. This is Jessica, hey. There's lots of things, Kara, that you were saying that really um, really sparked stuff in me. I, I feel like when I read the question, when did you realize that any space that doesn't state its position is unsafe, I was like, well, I don't know if I necessarily believe that, like that you have to state your position or else you're unsafe. But then I had to take a good hard look. Um, <laughs> at recent experiences that i've had and like the common denominators which is not like the absence of proactive Mm anti-racism and in those spaces the absence of proactive anti-racism like just naturally fell into like through force of entropy like social entropy fell into
1: i'm sorry
3: um tendency towards disorder oh okay okay like nature goes towards chaos,
1: okay. Um, Ooh,
3: and so, yeah, just felt fall, falls into white supremacy. Like that's that's what the world is. Yeah. And you know, I've spoken with you many times. Like just hearing how long your history with an awareness of unsafety or inequality has been, and how certain beliefs and like survival strategies are in play for you. I'm a baby in this. <laughs> like. Like this past year and almost like only these past six months, I had a rude awakening, like a super traumatic awakening of like, oh shit, like these white people don't care about me. Mm-hmm. They don't see me as a person. Yeah. What do I do with that? You know? Yeah. Um. And as I go back, I can think of like, you know, times in, you know, college or in, adolescence right or even maybe childhood not so much childhood but um you know times in my life where that sense of discomfort or that sense of like fight or flight is present but like you were saying Sandra I didn't have the language for it but now like the painful awareness is always right in front of me and so I 100% like agree with the premise of the question which is a place needs to state it's views or its position for it to be a safe place for people of color or else things will naturally slide into the default which is white supremacy you know
1: um in in these places of power and i want to say i think not even just state it because like you got all these companies like saying stuff and white people love to just make statements but by god like it's different when you actually do the thing to create safety in a space Mm -hmm. like i've been a part of so many well-meaning groups that have been so predominantly white not not like in in racial makeup like because we can look out it's like oh there's different there's like yeah, there's majority white, but there's also a good mix of other minorities. But the but the the culture was predominantly white, even because the uh, minorities are assimilating to a, a certain a certain culture, um, and are code switching hard and are not bringing them full selves to the table, and to put in for a safe space to be created for meat, For me, black women are safe spaces. Black women, period. Like (laughs) that's a safe space for me. Um, It doesn't matter if we differ in political opinions, it doesn't matter if we differ in religious opinions or like certain things. I know that on a certain level, my basic humanity, like my body is going to be safe. Like it's not a, it's a a factor non-factor at a certain point um, where it's like, hey, I know that you feel pain. Hey, I know that you feel happiness. Hey, I know that you have the full capability of in full range of human emotion, even if your internal life philosophies don't agree with me. Um, even if your life experiences are vastly different than mine. Cool, I get to grow knowing you. And I feel that way about uh, some people I was going to say a lot, but man, some interactions I've had with people recently <laughs> made me just want to be like, "Okay, you're doing the most." Recalculating, recalculating. Yeah. <laughs> but um for me like when when I'm in predominantly white-cultured spaces or that spaces that succumb to white supremacy, um uh it's not enough for you to just say Hey, this is a safe space for you, and hey, we welcome you and your difference. It it's active. It needs to be not just like me saying I tolerate you and your difference. It has to be active acceptance, like full acceptance and celebration of that of that of that person, their culture, and and it's not okay for you to just be like, see, we made space for you. Go ahead and act like how you're gonna act. Go ahead and do the uh-huh. thing. We made space. We said it's okay. Uh, it doesn't feel okay still and so I'm not going to show up in the way that you think that I should show up as a black person like I'm not like you will get business me you will have work here popping out you will not have uh social friends you are my work you are my coworkers. like I can't show up because it's because it has been unsafe not just for me in my lifetime but for I can't think of a time in my family history where it has been okay for us to show up as fully what we are in in spaces that are not predominantly black i can't i can't and and that's just i don't know that's just the facts that we live in so you saying okay no 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 it's cool now say the thing it's like saying hey tell me your most um like tell me like your deepest darkest secrets and i don't know you but this is how we're going to get to know each other is by you telling me your deepest most inner self and i don't know you and you don't know how like you can't force vulnerability trust onto people just by saying this is a safe space that works in business because business is people and if you don't know people then you're going to have a shitty business um so if you if in your business you say it's safe but then everything else points to it being a white reigning supremacy like space no it's not safe i hear actions speak louder Mm -hmm. than words
0: yeah we answered two and three at the same time um three was what would be your ideal (laughs) white space right yeah Uh, two when was the first time you felt unsafe outside of your safe space
1: my, Does, my answer for two is low-key different oh is it okay keep going all right go mine is kindergarten oh, kindergarten kindergarten is like i really thought about it. that was like the first time i felt unsafe outside of my safe space but that was like also the first time i started going to predominantly white schools wow and so Mm -hmm. because before then i was living i was born out of a black womb into a black family (laughs) and like my friends and like everybody was black who i interacted and associated with and then like the school i went to at the time like the daycares and the schools that i went to um, were black and then uh i shifted over to a predominantly white school which is like down the street from where my house was um but i just always went to the to the school inside the city because that's where my mom went um she's a she was a teacher and so like so in kindergarten i went to that little school and like i distinctly remember like coming i'm like "Woo! all y'all look different from me except for this one chick over here hey chick over here do you see me reach out hey 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 can we be friends and like (laughs) i think to this day like Everybody that was in that little pocket, like the five black kids in the entire school, including me and my brother, like, <laughs> when we see each other on the street, it's like, hey, you was in that with me, like in the trenches. Um, but I realized, I was like, yo, we're different. And I don't like that this kid beside me likes to pick his nose and nobody's calling him out about it. Cause in this little black school, everybody's like, Ugh, get y'all nasty, uh, you gross, uh, and like you're ostracized. But, <laughs> um and even the way that we played games was just different and i didn't realize that i didn't realize i didn't realize it until like after i got hurt and i was like oh i'm hurt i feel ostracized and it's just because we play these games differently because we see what's fun like there's just differences in how we handle conflict and communication and I was like, this I wanna sit in the corner and just read a book instead or play by myself because it's too hard to be social. Wow. Um, but it did make me smarter. I'm hella smart now. Yeah. I
0: would say my first time was when so I, I grew up in a predominantly white church from babies up until um uh, up until like freshman year of college and um yeah it wasn't fun you know having to seek your identity but at the same time learning how to be yourself in spaces that don't accept you consciously and unconsciously especially in a church that is called to be a safe place that's also hard all in itself um. Yeah. Whenever I remember growing up, whenever that feeling would pop up in my like pop up in my I guess pop up in my mind, I would like suppress it. Like no, 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 no. The, you know they're my friends. You know if yeah. you know, if I really deep into all this, then I won't have any friends left.
1: Mm, so, God. Like, yeah.
0: So. I kind of just survived through it, but at the same time I feel like growing up in that space taught me how to, um, I wouldn't say not be myself, but kind of in the in the lines of code switching, you know, just mm-hmm. moseying on by. Um, and not letting them see that I'm black, if that makes sense, but I'm really black, Um, yeah, so yep.
3: Y'all want to explain for maybe people who might not know what code switching is?
2: Anyone want to share?
3: Go for it, Jess. Sure, yeah, from what I understand, it's like to survive in a white space, right, you have to, you know, speak standard American English, white English. Um, you have to kind of cover like, up yeah. maybe certain jokes that you would say or certain ways you would react to something. So it's language, but it's also in the nonverbals, like mm-hmm. switching your communication style to fit into the white space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about.
2: So one of the questions is, "What is it like to code switch?" And my first thought was, "It feels like a betrayal of self." Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's like yeah. you are essentially denying, like all that stuff that Jessica was just mentioning—denying how how you speak, how you react, um, what makes you laugh, what makes you uncomfortable—so that someone else feels comfortable. Um, and, and this is both <laughs> in professional settings and personal settings. Like you just, you just feel like you're betraying yourself. And a lot of times you, you know, sometimes you notice it when you're doing it. And sometimes you don't notice it until after the fact, Ooh, but the betrayal, that yeah. of betrayal is still there. No, like no matter what. And That's so <laughs> nice. I hate it. <laughs> Bruh,
1: okay. Can I say this? And this is, at a certain point, so that's causing an identity crisis. Like, I feel like as a person, like what I had you a mean? identity issue because yeah. when you code switch, I feel like it's not just for white people, but it's also for your people or black people. Cause like, I'm like, shit, now I gotta, I mean, shit, whatever. I'm like, I gotta come up <laughs> with whole new, uh, not only cause like I start code switching early So like figuring out different things to say and like what's acceptable, what's not, what makes me like ostracized and what makes me like together. Like, okay, at a certain point, I just speak this way. And then when I go back to the black friends at church, they like, why you talk white? You just white. And I'm like, God damn it. Like I just got to like, at a certain point, it causes like this identity crisis. Um, and so I and I know D D knows this, maybe Jessica and Sandra too, but in college, I was like, I'm so tired of going back and forth with people. I just want to be one way with everybody. So I grew up, uh, I feel like I've always been
2: in black spaces or a mixture, like a diverse space when it comes to race. Um, and there's only been maybe one or two times that I felt like I was in predominantly white spaces, uh, which was like being a part of the BSM at U of H and being a part <laughs> of the Paleo church in Houston. Oh uh, yeah, that was super but wild. like growing up, like there was enough blackness around me to where I never felt unsafe. But then when I think about the code switching thing, I think I've been code switching my whole life because even in um, like in school and there was a diversity of, of people, it's like you're, like Kira was saying, it's like you're still figuring out like what works, what doesn't work, how people respond to what you say and you start to make these, um, these declarations in your mind, like okay, I can't say this, or I can't do this, or I got to mm-hmm. make sure my tone is this,
3: mm-hmm. um,
2: because at that time you're still figuring out who the hell you are. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, spoiler alert: thirty years later, I'm still figuring out who I am. So <laughs> absolutely, uh. yes. <laughs> so there's that, uh, but. But yeah, like Kira said, it's like, I, I'm also at this point where it's like, I just want to be me. Like, I want to know who I am and just present that to the world and be like, F, F all the rest of it.
1: You know? Honestly, it's tiring code switching. Because, hey, I ever did that. This is what I know I'm not being real and authentic in my life. When I come home at the end of the day and my face hurts from like fake laughing, my, like, my fake God. laughing, my throat
3: hurts. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. After family reunions, for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yo, if I come on, my face is hurt, my throat hurts from like fake mm. laugh. Like, if I laugh from my gut, I've been real. Mm. And those are the only laughs that I want to give the world at this point because I've been spending so much of my time being fake or being like appeasing to people not that i'm a people pleaser um but like you still like even as a non-people pleaser you still end up like trying to fit into social because we're we're social it's we're social (laughs) beings. yeah you're right it is survival um anyway i'm gonna stop
3: yeah i want to weigh in because i feel like my my experience was different so the first time i experienced an unsafe (laughs) space (laughs) was um, my father had retired from the military, um, which we can talk about the culture of a military family, but maybe not right now, because I'm still trying to like distill my narrative, like I'm I'm unclear about a lot of things. But suffice it to say, it's a white space, um, this kind of like rah-rah America type of nationalist like space. And so, um, so I, I honestly don't think I knew that I was black at all, um, wasn't really a part of black culture in any significant way until, uh, my father retired and we moved to Texas and I was in fifth grade and went to a black school. Um, and that was jarring because I was mm-hmm. this Oreo bitch at this, you know, black school yep. And immediately, like, stood out as the way I talk, like my shyness, like didn't understand certain, you know, words and all types of stuff. Um, So my first really jarring racial, like, point of rejection was actually from from black kids, um, because I
1: yeah, yep, because that's how black people are. We think we're monolithic when we're children.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so, so really, like, I, and then I went to an all, like, mostly all Asian school in high school. And so, really in college, and I I tell you this often, Kira, but really, like, my friendship with you, you know, this, this black woman, but that's not, like, stereo, like, like, not, I don't know, you're different, you know what I mean? You're different, like, (laughs) through yourself, right? And so in college, I worked really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Meeting you, you know, meeting Deidre and praising God like that. We've gotten closer. Can't, you know, I don't know how Deidre, Deidre walked off for a second. Deidre, come back. I'm affirming you. I don't know how me and Deidre <laughs> got friends, but I'm just kind of grateful to be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Sandra, my friendship with you, like, like you, just y'all are unique, right? And so... Um, it's really only recently that I'm coming to terms that blackness really can be defined by me, um, and I can have pride, like, in my people while not being a carbon copy of what I think blackness should be, right? Yeah. Yeah. what a weep. It's so good. So good. And, and that to me, that to me defines a safe place, right? Where I don't have to be constantly evaluating if I'm worthy of love, if I'm worthy to be seen or accepted or not. Like, I just can be myself and know that who I am is worthy is enough. And and just one more, <laughs> the the chat is blown up. Dee's um, <laughs> back, she's beautiful. Um, yeah, and- if
1: y'all don't see Dee today, it's unfortunate that we don't do videos of this because you look great yeah she's going out somewhere after this she, she said she loved you thanks <laughs> no <laughs> i do
2: want us to do side note for the listeners we will hopefully do uh this video podcast one day all right after. y'all
3: well yeah get my stuff together i'm doing my hair right now so i mean not <laughs> no, not, not today, today but oh, okay. one day in the future
2: hopefully these can be on youtube so y'all can see us as we oh yeah this.
1: Look, I'm gonna be looking fresh out the bed because it'd be so and I'd be in the bed. You yeah. just gotta
2: look good from the neck up,
1: you know. So. <laughs> you know, you just gotta get from the neck up. That's how I do my telehealth sessions.
3: <laughs> I'm in a blouse, but also yoga pants. They don't have to know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, no, I just, as I close out with what I was saying, I just want to, like, given that definition of a safe space, like, I wish white people understood that there's more at stake than like you feeling like you haven't done something wrong. You know, like it's not about you feeling guilty or not. It's about me, whether or not my personhood is being affirmed, like whether or not these essential, like human needs for safety and connection are met. That's important. (laughs) Like you don't get to just, you know, gaslight me or, or blame me for not feeling like I fit in. Like, there's an ecology that we're all responsible for that you can examine. And then out of love for another human being, what do you need? (laughs) Like ask, what do you need for this to feel safe? Uh Oh, you don't feel safe. How can I help? You know, how can
1: I be a part of you feeling seen, loved, and heard? But also like that's, I do want to say as uh, again, like being around well-meaning, um, white people, Sometimes I ain't got the answer for you. It just gotta be. Because I, I didn't have an answer when I got the vibe that this was unsafe. I don't have the answer verbally to like tell you what's safe for me. Like, especially if I haven't experienced it before. Like When I, in middle school, I got to go to a predominantly black and Hispanic school and I didn't realize how cool that was gonna feel for me, to a certain extent. Now I will say I did end up sitting with like a very diverse group of of people. Well, the little band kids, though, we're homogeneous in that way. But um, <laughs> like we had a ethnically diverse group, and I felt like that was really cool and beneficial. But it was weird for me because I was like, I see myself sitting with people that are not majority too. Like I see myself sitting with the sideline people, like not sidelines, like they were really cool people. Um but just not majority as well. And I wondered if that was like part of my identity that I was adopting was like a not a non-majority identity. Um, which I, I do think that's kind of where I'm at is like, man, because y'all know I don't like uh, watching stuff that people watch all at once or being with the fads and everything. <laughs> I think I just really hardcore adopted a non-majority identity. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, it's hard to say what you need when you've never actually had that thing um, and you can't verbalize like, hey, I need more people that look like me it's something that you cannot provide but this is what i need um hey i need uh i need us to not like to recognize like black culture but not like not appropriate it like i need that that's something that you can't do but that's what i need <laughs> um it's it's weird like it's hard it's hard being asked Okay, what do we need? And especially as a person, like as a person, I'm like, I don't want the whole majority to like succumb to my needs or like, I realize that I am one person out of 15 in the room. And the whole 15 is looking at me like, how can we make you feel more comfortable? It's I you, feel you, like, you the issue. want to be
2: the spokesperson too for like, because yeah. I feel like that they, they cling to whatever you say and think, well, this is what all Black people need or, or in, you know, in your organization.
1: It's like, I'm not the spokesperson tokenism yeah absolutely tokenism absolutely all right number five
0: is weighing on dignity versus safety Mm -hmm. what are the consequences of speaking your truth
1: rejection or acceptance
2: (laughs) even more than rejection sometimes is like aggression towards you or, oh, losing your yeah. job or being ostracized. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of, um, I mean, there's so many examples, but it makes me think of like Gabrielle Union, right? Oh, what and the whole thing with, uh, well, America's Got Talent. Um, apparently she spoke about something that was happening in the workplace. I think it was maybe a sexual harassment thing or a race race thing. I'm not. I don't remember exactly the details, but she voiced her concern, and next thing you know, they didn't renew her contract. Um, and of course, they tried to save face and say it had nothing to do with what she did and what she said. Um, but that's not how she felt, <laughs> and that's not what she feels to be true. Um, and then on top of that, <laughs> she wasn't defended. By another man, uh, which is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but.
1: Massage noir. What? Massage noir.
2: So, yeah, I mean, sh- and that happens so many times where it's like you voice your concern and then you realize for doing the right thing.
1: Yeah.
3: Not only that, Heidi Klum kind of backdoored her and was like, "I've never experienced any problems here," like blah blah blah, which just goes into like white people helping each other save face.
1: Look at Mark like,
3: giving somebody like a voice.
1: Yep. Yeah, um, Jessica, you did something recently um, with your workplace that I thought was really good. Um, mm-hmm you like wrote a letter to your to your um boss like just saying how you felt about stuff which is like a risk it was super risky yeah um, but i felt like a good risk um like something very much so like god created the heavens and the earth and it was good like mm-hmm. this email was made and it was good <laughs> it was sent. Mm-hmm. Thanks, um, like not even that it'll turn out like the best like i still haven't heard the update from that but uh just that it was so good and beautiful to see you creating space for yourself mm-hmm. uh, in a way that like preserved it di- because sometimes we get like we're so pressed we wait until like we're about to explode or like break before we like say something and then it come out crazy yeah. or like super strong um because we've gunny sacks uh where we packed in all of these like microaggressions, macroaggressions and like all these things and then at the end you're like, I'm out, bitches. <laughs> just can you talk about your experience with that letter? Your feelings. I sure
3: can, Kara. Yeah, yeah. And I, I won't get too many specifics just in case coworkers or bosses listen.
1: Oh yeah. I keep love- your job, please. Yep. Yeah, exactly uh, what we're talking about. Keeping your <laughs> job. Yeah. Welcome. Um
3: no, so I've been I've been super, super blessed to Um, and whatever, I've been, I've been really taken care of by God to have a space where I have a boss that cares about me as a friend, like first, and then I just happen to have been hired on at his firm, right? And Mm. so we've been having ongoing conversations about, you know, I'm the only, I'm the only person of color there. And so, um, (laughs) thanks for the hand clap, Sandra. Um... So we've been, yeah, just having ongoing conversations. And and I really appreciate that, like, it hasn't expired, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know how sometimes it's like, yeah, yeah, tell me what you think. And then mm-hmm. you say it and then you want to come back and say something else. But it's like, would you shut up about that? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You're like, okay, enough, you know. But like, I can keep coming back and like, hey, this happened. It was messed up. Hey, this staff meeting, this was said. Hey, can we continue to partner and like build on like these foundations that we're doing instead of it just being this one and done you know type thing and so for me having somebody i work for who not just respects me but like is on his own journey towards anti-racism like that's huge for me because i need the weight to be shared like i can't do it by myself it'll kill me um And so lots of, yeah, lots of anxiety in the process, lots of straight up terror, like, oh shit, I just got super real. Like, am I going to get fired? Um, And even being able to say like, hey, Loki, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. Like if I speak out of my place, you know, um, Mm -hmm. or get ostracized by my coworkers, if I continue to partner with you in this. Um, And there's only so many guarantees like he can give me, you know, he can't control other people. Um, but to have like a true ally, like a true co like co laborer um, in this fight for black dignity, which is ultimately human dignity, like it's just so huge. So I wrote this email (laughs) basically like, Hey, this is what I need from this space. And this is how, like, I'm operating. These are the goals that I'm operating out of. Um, you can process this on your own time, but like. I just needed to say these things. Um, and he didn't respond for a while cause he was having to like chew on it, but came back and was like, yeah, thanks for that. Um, awesome. I'll partner with you in this any way I can. So I was like, tight, <laughs> cool.
1: Yeah. When you ask the question dignity versus safety, um, I think about, uh, I think about cooning and like, uh, the times in my life I haven't come I don't feel like I do it like just because my family is so prideful <laughs> and that played like that played out in some certain way in, in and certain you're real time. stubborn yeah we're real stubborn about stuff yeah. Um, and like we're like uh uh-uh, uh you ain't gonna disrespect me and like there, but there are mechanisms for like maintaining our pride is silence so you will not hear from me you will only hear bare, bare minimum from me and it will be like complete and utter business. I won't like, I'm not here for you. So what, what do you need? Okay. That's what you need. Okay. What do you need from me? Can you spell it out? X, Y, Z. Cause I don't even want to hear your voice after this, after this one time, just put it in an email, X, Y, Z. Tell me what, exactly what you need down to the T don't come back and micromanage me. Like, what do you need? Produce it. There you go, get out my face. But that's how I've always operated in school as well, like to stay out of trouble. Like, I don't want no attention on me. I'm just here to do my work, get my stuff done and go on about my life. Don't talk to me about nothing back. If it's back, here, I'll fix it. Let me just redo. So I'm sitting up here with A's, cause I'm like, let me just do my work so people get out my face. Um, (laughs) I'm really a get out my face type person Um, or like I'm in fight or flight. I am flight. I want you to fly and I want me to fly. Get out of my face. Um, because, uh, you know how D posted something earlier, it was like, name something that black people say that they don't really mean. Uh, when I say, oh no, you good, don't worry about it. That means I've lost all trust in you to, to handle this. I got it on my own. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> So at so in a in a work if I'm trying to get a task done and you sitting up here just awesome. Be, don't, don't even worry about it. I got it. I, I'm good. I'm gonna handle this part and you handle yours. If we fail, we fail. Whatever. Like at this point, I'm trying to also delegate out stuff. I'm like, I know I can't do everything by myself because that's gonna like be too much on me. Um so I like, I'm gonna do my specific part in my specific role. And I'm gonna come in do what I need to do and go on home and for me and me and Jessica were both in kind of like a a kind of hostile environment when it comes to like race stuff um my thought was and I told her this my thought coming into it was you're gonna use me for my black face I get that I understand that I'm gonna use you to to promote my own values my own like goal and rhythm so that's fine. Like you can use me for a blackface. I feel some type of way about that, but also, at the end of the day, how much interaction will I really have with you? How much? Um, how much am I being paid? And how much does this, uh, co- like, cross on my specific goals as well? Um, I'm sorry. I know that D has to go, so I'm so I'm gonna stop talking. But like, that's uh the general thing is like. Am I getting paid enough? And is it worth my time? Am I doing the things that I said I wanted to do when I came in here? Um, And so, yeah.
3: Yeah, sorry. This is a little bit of an abrupt end, but Deidre's got to go, and she's our producer. So we are going to have her wrap up. And maybe if y'all want us to continue this conversation, you can leave a comment um, or send an email. And we'll, even if you have specific questions, and we'll flesh this out more. So, Dee, take us away.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much guys. Um, um, this is a great conversation and obviously we always want to keep the conversation going. So like Jessica said, please send us your comments, your questions, um, either on, um, I know, I think you can comment on the podcast, um, as well as send us an email at whatever that means.us at gmail.com. Um, and as always, we thank you guys. I thank you ladies and we'll see y'all next time.
3: All right, girl, you have a good time wherever you're going, looking fine. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Thank you. Love y'all. Love Love y'all. Bye.